The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. All right. Hi, everyone. We have another guest here today. We have John. Do you mind introducing yourself, talking about your industry and where you work? Sure thing. So hello, everyone. My name is John Can. I am the founder and financial advisor for Twinley Financial Advisors. Uh, Twinley Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm that is dedicated to helping dentists live a more fulfilling life. Sounds cheesy sometimes, but we do this by helping reduce the complexity of life's financial decisions, which ultimately save you guys time and money. So I help with specifically a few things. I'd say strategizing for financial goals, uh, which is kind of like if you're going shopping, using the right account or uh, the right shopping cart for the type of account we want to fund. Um, like if you're trying to get a TV, it doesn't make sense to use a handbasket you're going to target or something. So making sure we're using the right investment accounts for the right goals. I hope with that managing the investments, picking which companies um, or indexes in the stock market that we are choosing to invest in. I help with that as well. That's kind of like picking the right groceries at the grocery store. And then the main thing that I help with is uh, managing financial and economic behaviors which Haley, do you want to take a guess at what that might be? Guess like you're spending and budgeting and everything. Yep. That definitely is one way to put it. It, it is essentially the, the overarching theme of it is it's the psychology behind why we make certain financial decisions. Um, yeah. Where our spending is going, how much we're saving and why, why do people leave so much money in their checking account, even though it makes no money in there? Um, why do people maybe put extra payments towards debt that has a very low interest rate? Uh, why are some dentists living paycheck to paycheck, even though they're making six figures? Um, so it's all of that. And really, it boils down to we as human beings all have biases. Uh, we have limited understandings of things and how they work. But that limited understanding, we often make decisions based off of. So... Sometimes whenever we make these decisions, sometimes bad ones, um, they're based on just a very limited understanding, or maybe we asked a friend and sometimes that friend might not have been the best resource either, or hopefully not TikTok. There's a lot of financial influencers out there, um, that sometimes aren't giving the correct advice. I mean, I've seen it time and time again of advice given on TikTok that is actually probably detrimental to a dentist situation. Um, so I help with that. Uh, there's a lot of financial pitfalls that I see new dentists in particular make. So I've narrowed it down to a few things that I'm happy to dive deeper into whenever you're ready. Yeah, I think it's key how you're saying advice for the general public, whether it's good or bad, is definitely not advice for the dentist a lot of the mm -hmm. times because we have such unique financial situations, yes. a lot higher student debt than the average person, other expenses and things to save for and to think about. So that's why it's really great to have you on here who specializes in working with dentists. 
So yeah, if you want to jump into what are some of those initial mistakes you're seeing people making? Sure. So the four categories before I dive into each one are the first one's not having a proper budget parameters in place or a saving system. The second one is not having a proper debt strategy. The third one is building wealth, maybe in the wrong places. And the last one is trying to manage it all by yourself. So the first one, which is not having proper budget parameters. I know budgets are not a fun thing to talk about uh, too often. It's not the most exciting thing, but it is very important. And I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. There are really four categories for your budgets. There's savings, personal spending, debt payments, and taxes. Those are the things that we track. Those are the things that we should have kind of parameters in place for each one from a percentage standpoint of your income um, in order to be financially healthy. So we can try our best to stick to these parameters, but unfortunately there's things in life that are outside of your control. I mean, you have no say in what inflation is going to be, which affects everybody's personal spending. That's how much everything goes up in price every year. As you make more money, your tax rate is going to increase. We have a certain system of taxes in this country where if you're making more money, you're paying a higher percentage in taxes. So as time goes on, if we aren't a few steps ahead thinking about what those numbers will be in the near future, what tends to happen is our savings percentage shrinks over time because everything else has increased. I mean, that's why dentists tend to retire later on average compared to most other occupations. Um, it's just those things go up, savings go down. And unfortunately, that means it's hard to retire, among other things. Uh, but to talk about savings, there is a particular phrase that I hear a lot from dentists whenever I talk to them and ask, hey, how much do you think you're saving? They say, I save as much as I can. And that phrase, I mean, I, I like to hear it because I think the intentions are good. But that is not a true number. It's not sustainable. It just means they're saving whatever they didn't happen to spend that much, which means they don't also have proper budgets in place for how much money should they be spending on it any given month. There is a lifestyle creep that happens to everyone. So if we are not saving a dedicated percentage of your income every paycheck, spending just tends to go up. Why? Uh, most people have a pretty simple process when it comes to their finances and making decisions. They see something cool on Amazon or their friend says, hey, you want to go trip to this place or that place or a cruise? You look at your bank, your checking account, say, okay, cool. I got high five figures in there. Yeah, I can afford that. And then you do it. That tends to be the, the process whenever people start spending money. And the overall spending isn't always just things. Oftentimes I see it being trips, vacations. I mean, once you stay at a nice resort in another country, you're not going to want to go camping again. It just doesn't happen. So making sure that we have these parameters in place um, to make sure that we're saving a certain amount every month, that is very important. And also that we are not going to be spending more than X amount every month. And we have to leave a little bit of room in there because there's going to be one-off expenses every month. So we kind of need to think about this on an average standpoint. 
but also knowing that yeah, you're going to go on vacations, which means a certain month is going to be higher. So factoring that all in is very important. Overspending early on is also another one um, that I see as an issue. I tend to tell new dentists, try to live like a college student for just at least one more year. Just one more year, build up your emergency savings, have some money on hand. Nobody's expecting a brand new dentist to have the nicest car at the office. All right, please just, just make jokes about how much you have in student loan debt. If anybody ever says, why'd you pack a lunch? You're a dentist. I got six figures of student loan debt. Leave me alone. Just say that. Um, but right now or early on in your career, that is going to be the easiest time to save money. I promise you it only gets harder as time goes on. You're going to have nicer things in life. You're going to enjoy nicer vacations, which is great. I want you to have that stuff. You're also going to have kids most likely in the future. There's just going to be a lot more expenses. So we try to front load that a little bit early on, knowing that it's going to go downhill as time goes on, unfortunately. But the solution, again, have a dedicated savings amount that you treat like an expense. Every pay stub that comes in, you just take a certain percentage of that and put it into your dedicated savings place. Where that is can depend on your situation. There's high yield savings accounts. There's investment accounts uh, that you can access. I'll talk more about that later. There's retirement accounts. There's a lot of places, but know that you need to be saving a certain percentage um, every, every paycheck. Uh, I know sometimes people like to ask, what is a good number? Again, try to talk to a financial advisor, try to get your own specific situation uh, figured out. Uh, but as a blanket answer, what I see with a lot of my younger dentists is 30 to 35% tends to be a good savings percentage. Again, we know it's going to be less in the future. Let's try to front load what we can, build up your emergency savings, check off a couple boxes, and then you're good to go. So any questions about that? I'm curious for budgeting. If a client comes to you and they're a dentist, but they have a spouse that's a non-dentist and they do joint finances, do you work with them in that case if there's two incomes and one's non-dentist? Yep, absolutely. So oftentimes I just have to ask a couple questions about what they expect their income trajectory to be. I know dentist income trajectory very well, how it can be higher early on before it starts to move to inflation increases. So I just have to ask a little bit about that. But yeah, that's no problem if their spouse is a non-dentist. In fact, that's more often than I get the you know, two dentist power couple type of thing. And then that's really all the questions I thought of for the first bit. So you said the that's third fine. thing was about not building their wealth effectively, not using the right channels. Yeah, so I've got the proper debt strategy, building wealth, and the managing yourself. Which one would you like to hear next? Go for the first one you said, the debt <laughs> strategies. Sounds good. Um, so for the debt strategy, it's very important to just have a comprehensive long-term strategy in place for what you're doing with some of your debts. And first, debt inherently is not a bad thing. There are bad debts like credit card debt, but there's good debt too, like your student loans. If you couldn't take out student loans for dental school, you'd have to work 10, 15 years to be able to save up for it. And now you're not starting your career as a dentist until maybe you're 40. And then you have less years of making dentist income. So debt can be good in certain situations, in a lot of situations, really. 
Uh, it depends on what the interest rates are is really what it boils down to. Um, so I just wanted to talk about how important that strategy is, especially for your student loan debt, because most new dentists have that. I know debt can be very uncomfortable. Oftentimes people just want to pay it off and be done with it. And I get that. I hear it. That, that's the economic and emotional side of finance that I help people understand what these decisions mean. That way they are educated enough to feel good about whatever decision we do go with. But there's something called opportunity cost. Opportunity cost is basically, I've got all these options on the table of where I can put my extra money at the end of the month or my savings budget. Where do I want to put it? I could put it towards my student loans and only cost me 6%. Or if I'm investing properly, you might get an 8% rate of return over a long period of time. Paying off three, $400,000, that really does not happen too quickly. So we're looking at a long period of time for these financial decisions. Well, if one saves me 6%, but one maybe makes me 8%, over time, that 2% spread is what that's called, that difference that is going to be a lot of money. So understanding what that net worth difference is, I mean, I, I've seen six-figure decisions based on that alone of should I put this extra money towards my student loan debt or save it and invest it? So there's a lot of different student loan strategies. They all have their pros and cons. Um, maybe the government's helping pay for some of the interest. Maybe you're getting loan forgiveness sooner. So it's really important to understand those. Um, also, if you have a spouse that has student loan debt and an income, that will affect the payment. So there's some more strategizing to do there. But don't just kind of be asleep at the wheel with your student loans. They are large. And if we are off by a degree or two, those are some pretty big numbers down the road. So that's it for the student loans. One other thought real quick, be careful about how much loans or how much debt, excuse me, you take on if you're trying to become a practice owner soon. There is a certain debt to income ratio that the banks use to determine how much money they can give you for your practice loan. So if you got a nice car, put zero down, got a nice house and use the physician's loan to put 0% down, have a lot of student loan debt, maybe even some private loans, it's gonna be hard for the bank to give you the full amount that you are looking for. So please be careful of that too. Any questions with that? No, exactly what you've said. I've heard from different student loan planner people that it's one of the key things, like you said, is deciding what strategy is the best one for you, like working with a financial planner to figure that out and just leaning into that and doing that. It's much worse to be like, okay, I'm going to do like the minimum payments. No, actually, now I want to be aggressive next year. And like that just it, you have to pick a plan and stick with it. It's like dieting. If you jump around to different diets, it's not going to work out as well as if you just stuck to a good strategy. But yeah, there are times we're going to have to roll with changes. Getting married, that'll affect things. How many kids you have affects things. Um, but those are things that we can easily say, all right, here's all of our inputs. Let's adjust a couple of these based on what you're telling me your life goals are. Here's what we can reasonably expect. And here's how to prepare for it. Because if you're getting your loans forgiven, um, chances are you're paying taxes on it unless you're working at a hospital or something where you're on a different kind of repayment strategy. So any other questions about that? No, it was super clear. The next one I want to talk about was building wealth in the wrong places. 
So there's really four categories of places that dentists tend to build wealth. There's liquid accounts. Liquid accounts are investment accounts or savings accounts that you can access the money really whenever you need it. So these are things like a high yield savings, a brokerage account. If you needed to access those funds, you can get that money. A brokerage account, by the way, is just something if you downloaded a certain trading app, that's probably the default account they'll put you in. Um, however, with those accounts, you're paying taxes as, as it grows or as you make uh, changes to the investments. So from a tax side, it's not as good. From a liquidity side, meaning you can access that money, it's very good. So that was the first one. The second one I'd say is retirement accounts. Those are things like your 401k, if you work at private practice. Um, those are things like your traditional IRA, your Roth IRA, 403b, thrift savings plan. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. The point of them is that you put money into this account. It has a lot of tax benefits to it. But now um, you cannot access those funds until you're close to retirement or in retirement. So pros and cons of that, pros are you get a lot of tax benefits. However, if you need that money soon, it's very expensive to access that because you're paying taxes and penalties if you want to access those funds. So it's not typically a good idea. The next one is real estate, which hopefully everybody here is going to have a home someday. Um, putting money into that home, that is essentially building up your net worth. I don't want to talk too much about the amortization schedules with houses, uh, but a large percentage of your payments for your house go towards interest for kind of the first half of that mortgage. So just because you're putting $3,000 into your mortgage doesn't mean you're building up $3,000 of equity of ownership in your home. It's a lot less than that. It's just good to know those numbers because uh, I've seen people make a lot of mistakes off that. But real estate, over time, you are going to build up a lot of ownership in your home, maybe your condo, maybe somewhere else too, uh, maybe the land that your practice is on. There's a lot of great places that you can invest essentially um, or build your savings with real estate. And it has its tax benefits as well. Um, then the last one on the list is business equity. This is if you are a practice owner, your practice is probably going to be one of your greatest growing assets, better than most other investments out there. Why? Well, you're putting in all the work for your practice. As that thing grows from a, a million dollar valuation to a $2 million valuation, well, that's a million dollars in net worth that you own, assuming you don't have partners or anything like that. But those are the four main places that you can build wealth. For new dentists, Liquidity is very important. That liquid account, having money you can access, extremely important. Yeah, I hear it all the time. Somebody has been maxing out their workplace retirement account for the last two years and they've got $40,000, $50,000 in it. Great. They can't access that money. And whenever they tell me I want to be a practice owner ASAP, it's like, well, we're kind of starting from scratch on your savings because you've been just putting it all in this account that we can't access. I heard somebody say one time, it's like climbing a ladder to realize halfway up that it was on the wrong wall. You're putting in a lot of effort into saving, but it just wasn't on the right, or wasn't in the right place. So for new dentists, liquidity is very important. 
if your workplace has a certain match, meaning if you put in 5% of your um, income and they put in, they might put in 4%, take advantage of that stuff. Uh, th there's a lot of nuance to that with like vesting schedules. You technically don't get full ownership of their contributions for a little bit of time. So look into that, research that. But generally speaking, it's a good thing to do. Um, you have your IRA contributions as well that aren't a lot of money, but liquidity is very important. So please save there. Any questions about that? No, I don't think so. And then the last one that I want to talk about is managing it all by yourself. Haley, how many dentists do you know of that answer the phone at their office? <laughs> they definitely try not to. It's not not their job, not their thing. <laughs> Good. And yeah, the reason why is it's not the best use of their time. Their time is more valuable elsewhere doing things that other people can't do to maybe the same degree or at all because they're not a dentist. You can try to manage all the stuff yourself, but physically you don't have the time to keep up with it. Not all of it. It's impossible. There's a lot of just research that goes into these things. And if you don't put in the proper amount of it, you just go off what a few people said online or what a few TikTokers said, that's not going to end well. Um, in fact, most content on the internet is really not for dentists. I know you mentioned that earlier. I couldn't agree more. I mean, be careful of who you're taking advice from. There's, I don't want to name certain groups, but there's very popular podcasts out there that are just for anybody, they run off advertiser revenue. They are not speaking to this small percentage of people that are dentists. They're talking to the 50% of Americans that can barely afford a medical because those are the vast majority of people that are listening. So be careful of who you're listening to online. Be careful of who you're talking to in person. I mean, there are people out there that work off commissions. I'm not saying that's inherently like they're inherently bad people for that. But it creates a conflict of interest where how they make money is you buying a certain product. And sometimes you don't need certain products. Sometimes these products aren't even a good thing for you to buy in the first place. But when they are dependent on that and they have kids to feed, they're going to tell you that these products are very important for you. So you got to be careful of the biases that come with people that are selling products. Uh, really the type of person you should be working with is a financial advisor that charges you a fee directly. I know it's not fun paying an extra two, $300 a month, whatever it is. Um, but that is the only way to make sure you are not getting ripped off. There's something called a fiduciary duty, fiduciary standard, where if you are paying somebody, they legally 100% have to do what is in your best interest. If they're not, they're getting fined and probably going to jail. So it's definitely not worth it. Um, but that's how you know that you are getting good advice that is going to grow your net worth over time. It's not like I have any stake in the game of which strategy you choose, but I'm going to go through the numbers with you so you feel good about it, you understand, and then you can make your decision. So be careful of who you work with. Make sure they... I mean, if you've got a couple options, certified financial planner, that is a certification. It's a very good one. Um, it basically shows that we had to take our industry's equivalent of boards 
and pass a certain level of competency. Um, so a certified financial planner, they charge you a fee directly. That is the type of person you want to work with. Um, and that's what will really save you a lot of money in the long term, just from good advice early on. So we've kind of talked about this off of recording, but when is the best time for someone like I'm a fourth year, I figured out job and everything. So I kind of know what I'm going to be contracted rate, at least like the minimum. Is that a good time for someone to reach out to a financial planner? Or should they work for a few months, see how their expenses are looking post-grad? When's the best time to get in touch? Great question. I think it's very important before you start working to actually have at least a conversation with somebody. Uh, I, I don't charge dental students or residents um, just because I'm like, hey, here are the things you should know. Let's make sure you did these things like filed your tax returns because that will help you next year uh, or what, later whenever you file for your student loan repayment plan, they're going to ask for either pay stubs or a tax return. Well, let's use your old tax return. Even if you made no money, that buys you another year of virtually no payments. And depending on the plan, that means a 0% interest rate effectively. So have those conversations. There's not a ton to do until you actually start making some money. But it's good to have somebody look over your employer benefits, let you know what is on the horizon, um, talk about your goals, things you want to achieve. Do you want to be a practice owner ASAP? Is it maybe 10 years down the road? Um, so yeah, have a conversation. And then another thing too is insurances. I know insurances are always tricky because there's a lot of people probably coming to your school trying to sell you guys products. There are certain insurances that are important for a dentist. I'm not downplaying that at all. Um, so having those conversations of which ones are good for certain scenarios uh, or for different people, working with an independent advisor who understands those can say, here's all of them. Here's the pros and cons of each. There's no one perfect policy, but here's how they work. Now you are equipped to go make your own decision and effectively not get ripped off. Because you need to actually sign up for certain insurances the year you graduate in order to get these discounts, which do save you a lot of money. I always encourage it. But I've seen people buy bad policies with all sorts of unnecessary bells and whistles because somebody just sold them a product to make more money. How they get paid is if this policy costs you $3,000, I'm making a percentage of that. So why would I tell you how to save money and get a very similar policy for $2,000 when I make less. That, that's the logic for a lot of insurance agents and commission work. Um, it, it's just hard. Again, they can be honest, but it's just, it puts them in a rough place because it's a conflict of interest. Yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. And I've been warned of that too by my friends that <laughs> graduated in the past year or two, just really oh, I'm sure. be conscious of who you're working with. And like you said, do your own research and everything. So What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have more questions or they want to do a consult with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, my website is twinleafadv, like advisoradv.com. Easiest thing you can do is you can probably just shoot me a text. That's no problem. My number is 321-521-3133. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out to me. Happy to find some time, talk about your situation, see if there's anything major we need to do right now versus maybe in two, three months. Um, happy to do that. And then I also do virtual events um, in the spring for D4s specifically. 
where they get to hear a lot of this advice. I have another uh, presentation that I talk about called the 18 month financial plan. It's basically just the checklist of things to do over the next couple, six month blocks of just, hey, how much should I be putting into my savings? Where am I saving first? Okay, I'm ready to transition to saving over here, that kind of stuff. So if your school's not already one of the schools I'm working with um, and you wanted to get your school added to that list, I'd be happy to help with that. I do a group DoorDash dinner for anybody uh, attending those things and wants to talk just because, I mean, I, I remember being a poor college student, happy to get you guys at least some free dinner. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Haley. Um, looking forward to staying in touch.